0: This is Stephen Sarrow from UnTeachers, and you're listening to Discography Discussion.
1: You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 157, Today is the Day. With Stephen Sorrow of Unteachers.
0: I mean, I'm totally being sarcastic about it, but...
1: Hosted by Dan Terry. The worst thing I'm doing here is chewing bubblegum. And Joseph Wren. You don't know what you're missing out on. (laughs) Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think today is the day because the newspaper said so, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, Stephen Sorrow returns and brings us today is the day.
0: Because who the hell else would do that, right? From the uh, past.
1: I am calling you out. This is your origin story. Because (laughs) every batshit insane (laughs) thing I've ever heard you do, talk about, or reference can be traced back to today is the day. Can't it, Stephen? Hmm...
0: I'll give you some of that, but I'll tell you, I guess what it would have been the quicker thing would have just since Steve has played with so many people, I probably should have just called him up and said, "Hey, do you want me to play in your band with you? I'll 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 play whatever."
2: <laughs> I can play guitar. That I been can more throw, successful. I can throw toolboxes down the <laughs> stairs, like whatever you want. Yeah, man. You're like, here's my resume. I set a pig's head on fire for an album cover.
0: I can add another hour to sadness if you if you want me to. Please don't. <laughs> oh fuck. Because, oh, you know, gonna... I'd have to listen
2: to it just to check it out, and I'd be like, God. Oh. And then you'd probably say something like, yeah, it's not really as good unless you listen to all of it from the beginning. Don't just skip to the last hour. Oh, my gosh.
0: It's a, it's a long listen. <laughs> it's a tough one.
2: It For is. Sure. We will get into
1: that in due time. Well, before we talk about the silver tongue of the Black Dahlia, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about 5-Star Reviews. You know,
2: I kind of like 5-Star Reviews here on this podcast. It boosts the self-esteem. It doesn't boost the bank account, but that's okay, because as long as I'm happy, I can be broke. It's fine. But hey, in all seriousness, I just want to thank everybody that shares the episodes with their friends and family. That you are pushing this on people that maybe want it or don't want it, but what I but I what I love to see is all those shares, all those comments. You guys are awesome, and I really want to thank all the people that contribute to our Patreon every month. That's
0: that's huge. Yeah, I don't I don't personally do that, but <laughs> you, everyone else should. Well, I'm a cherry picker, you know, so I I pick the bands that I know anything about. So I don't hear everything you guys do, but I, I definitely skipped the Lincoln Park episode or whatever it was. The uh, or was it um Limp Biscuit? I'm trying Lip, to remember. Lip then you guys go it. through like a phase of yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. every every yeah, every May that. we talk about <laughs> we talk about uh, new metal bands. It's so, a, it, why May? New metal May. It's just the way okay. God intended it.
0: Okay.
1: We got a tweet from a very good boy in regards to episode 155, Life in Your Way. One of my favorite bands from the early 2000s. I didn't listen to Hope's Fall till a lot later. Sorry, Dan. Well, that's okay. Nobody's perfect. We got a tweet from AC. In regards to episode 142, Ginger, I dig this band and have since I was first made aware of them. I think that's everybody's review of Ginger AC. Tatiana can sing and growl with the best of them. I was hoping you guys would be into them more, but you gave your honest opinion. Cheers. Well,
2: I don't think that we disliked Ginger necessarily. I mean, I I, I enjoyed listening to their stuff quite a bit. I think we were just kind of on this thing of it's really cool but what separates it from a lot of the other bands that are out there that do kind of the same thing. And uh, that's unfortunately one of those snags we run into a lot of the times on this show. A band can be good, but it sounds like we're shitting on them even though we're, we're not really shitting on them.
1: And in the case of Ginger, it's the most recent album that is their sound. It took them a while to find it, so they're not really as big of a deal as everybody says they were back in the mid-2000s. They're not really an innovator when they showed up to the party late. One more. Marcos Ramasar on YouTube commented on episode 56, Scar Symmetry. Kind of surprised you guys generally thought phase one is their weakest. Personally, I think it's the best so far. Can't wait for phase two. Most likely this year. Most likely indeed. Love your podcast, and I'm subscribed. Cheers. We thank you very much for that. I think we all had a different opinion then than we do now, but we'll see what happens on phase two. No, it's definitely true. A lot of these bands do grow
2: on me over time. Like we'll do the episode, except Demon Hunter. They have not grown on me at all. Uh, but there are there are a lot of bands where we'll do the episode, and then you know three months later, I find myself listening to it just for fun. You know, so uh, that that says a lot.
1: So Stephen, tell me about today is the day.
0: Well, um, yeah, they're just a band that I I discovered in the mid nineties and uh, just fell in love with and have all of these years later, still, there's still that band for me that, that I still get excited about and never get tired of listening to. Um, and to talk about them in this way, like their whole discography, which is something I never really do. Um, you kind of have to approach it sort of like two ways. There's like two different today's the days. There's the band today's the day that started and just all three guys, you know, for two albums, at least, came, you know, who were coming from a more, uh, you know, art rock side of the world, you know, punk, whatever you want to call it, um, noise rock, all that stuff. Um, and then you have Steve Austin and Today is a Day, you know, like his his continu- continuing that. So um, obviously there's there's they were more successful after the original lineup, you know, like when they got on relapse and all that. So there's a, I would say probably 80% or more of their fans are post the, the first lineup. So it, it's a, it's a weird thing to talk about because there's there, I could, you know, talk about something that's been out the last few albums versus the first album. It's just like completely different conversation, which is what makes it interesting. So, um, yeah, they're just a great band. And, uh, Steve Austin is a, a real creative guy and, uh, just keeps plowing away. So, well one what do thing you guys
2: think? one thing that blew me away about today is the day is that how extreme they were for nineteen ninety two. In the sense that they weren't, you know, they weren't a death metal band. They weren't, you know, like a hardcore band, but there's elements of both of those things kind of kind of in their sound. And what I thought was crazy was just number one, the extremity of the vocals. I love I love the way the the voice sounds, how just like putrid <laughs> Uh, his his extreme voice can be and just, like, cutting and, like, legitimately sounds angry. Because you know how, like, in a lot of metal these days, it's just a guy doing a voice. Right. This isn't really that way. This is like a this is like a vinegar dripping you know, anger type of vocal and it actually conveys more emotion than I think maybe even they intended it to.
0: Yeah, um, I remember album reviews early on uh saying there there was a lot of talk of the heaviest part of the band is the vocals <laughs> you know which is kind of like when you listen to them that's definitely plausible for sure
2: yeah i mean back then i would imagine reviewers had no idea what to make of this
0: band right yeah
2: because think, they don't um, play a specific genre necessarily
0: yeah. and they don't have a formula at all right and i what i one thing i want to say up front too because Again, we're going to get into a discography that's like literally never repeats itself, um, and the the fans are kind of divided between the the original today's the day and Steve Austin's work after that. One thing I want to say up front, because there are hits and misses for me throughout this discography, but the one thing I that keeps me coming back is that um, Steve just refuses to repeat himself, and you know the band's constantly changing and you have to respect him you know for not trying to repeat himself and for kind of the work ethic part of it of just getting shit done you know what i mean and working with what you have and who you, who's there to work you know and not worrying about the past and is it, this going to be as good as this last album i did and just kind of just being like here i am now here's what i have now and this is the best i'm going to do right now and sometimes that's great and other times for me i don't i don't connect with it as much but i i have to respect that part of the post uh, original today's day. Well, I think the so. best way
2: to approach it is to just get right into it. 1993 Supernova.
0: Yeah, man. Great record. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Next. No. mistake. No. <laughs> uh, this record is killer, man. This is this is one of my favorites for sure. Just for the simple fact that number 1, you know. Yeah. The, the vocals are kind of the heaviest part of it, although I would argue and say maybe the bass is. Uh, but I think with this record, it was so heads or tails, and the first time that I listened to it, I didn't really know what to think about it. But what I couldn't get past is kind of there There were massive riffs in here and some some more focus, I think, on, like, creating an atmosphere, creating kind of this, like, really discordant sound that doesn't really settle well with you. But then, you know, like I was telling you off mic last night, Steven, it's like, it's kind of like they just, they'd take you down into like this abysmal place, but then like lift you back up. Like it has almost kind yeah. of a melodic positive vibe to it.
0: Um, yeah, it's totally, it, there's, there's a lot more melody to these earlier albums. Um, I mean, when I say melody, I mean, he's not necessarily singing clean vocals, but he's, there's something to his... It's, it's not so much like a metal scream as more of like a yell that can be very melodic and um, I think there's a more more of a musical you know, pulling for more musical things um, not so much strictly a metal in, his, in the earlier stuff so I can see what you mean by it. I'm. I mean, when I look at the lyrics to those albums I don't think about uplifting or bringing me back up to anything, but I do get a sense that there's a lot of, um, you know, self empowerment or, which I think is would make sense why they would call it now willpower it's, it's just you know this idea that um you know you, you can't count on anyone but yourself and let's make this shit happen you know that kind of a that's sort of a vibe i get from them in the early days yeah and supernova is great
1: my question is what was the goal with this first record is this like a tool thing where they're trying to create an atmosphere? I can't believe it's coming up again on an episode Stevens on, but is it a Captain Beefheart thing where it's I'm trying to lead the band into this atmospheric style of just play the instruments, it'll be fine, as long as we're playing together, there's no worry. Are they trying to capture? Because I can't think of another band in 1993 that sounds like this that wasn't just a straight art piece.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have the three guys in the band then, Brad Elrod, the drummer, Mike Carell, bass player, Steve Lawson. So again, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't a uh, Steve Lawson and Today Is the day kind of thing happening. It was three guys who were young and angry and, you know, full piss and vinegar and they had a lot of stuff in their life. They wanted to get out through music. And I I think, um, and a lot like, uh, you know, even the stuff I've done in bands like this that, that have like a power trio that, um, don't really attempt to rip off something specific, but it just, you know, just the element... There's so much musical influences coming from so many genres, you know, um, that it just sort of becomes a mess in your head and, and it's, something just comes out. Also, the fact that these guys were playing constantly back then. You know, the three guys were were practicing, like, seven days a week, literally. <laughs> like, And the, so they were just a powerhouse of, you know, like, if you... The thing i like about this supernova is like if you didn't know any better and you listened to the album you would think it sounds like an experiment in a studio but what's so crazy to me is that apart from some of the you know the uh artistic interludes or weird experimental tracks in between the, the actual heavy music they're playing sounds exactly the same live. and there it's you know obviously there's layers to some of the vocals and all but it's it just somehow you don't miss that when you hear him live during that period. Like, if you can, you know, I, I didn't see him during Supernova, but I've seen plenty of footage of it, and it's just, it's just, uh, there's nothing pretentious about it. All the ballisticness and craziness about it is like, it feels like the, the lyrics and like the music is all kind of coming from the same place, and it's just, it's like this expression that's coming out of them, and it just, I don't know, it's like the real deal. And seeing them live, that, that footage of them, I mean, it's amazing that you go back then and listen to this album and you go, well, you know what? This is actually just the band being super tight and playing really well together, you know, and that's just what came out.
1: So this is a power trio. This is three guys making a really big noise. Yep. Totally. And the
2: lyrics to been me, a three piece. the lyrics to me sound more like a stream of consciousness than anything else. Like it, it's not necessarily like, I would say that the lyrics probably in comparison to the music and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like the lyrics were there just to convey a certain emotion more so than to have a specific message or idea behind them. You know, and again, yeah. that could be that I could be totally wrong about that, but it no, seems so. to me like the lyrics like had maybe I don't want to say the least thought put into them, but the least amount of like crafting.
0: What I notice about this era of the band is um, you know, I think People could very easily say, oh, they're like a progressive rock thing or they're math rock or they're trying to be very technical or whatever. And I actually think that technical, that technicality of them or that vibe of that, that the uh, what do I say? Um, What's the word I want to say here? <laughs> Dynamic, the dynamics of the band, I think is just coming from like the whole package of feeling like it's I think like when the way the way Brad and Mike play as a rhythm section is so completely unique and I've never heard a rhythm section like it and I think all of what they're doing isn't it's not I don't see them standing in a room going like how technical can we make this song I feel like it's like uh, an outburst of of raw emotion and it just happens to be that's just like the, the, the shit that comes out of them and that's that technicality coming from that is what impresses me not not that there are three guys that were like you know we listen to Cynic and and Death and all these you know you know technical metal bands but they they really it, to me the tech sounds super passionate as is, is what makes me love that album
1: it's three guys in that, in that who lineup. are in sync with each other who are able to get in a room and just make music instead of writing music
0: yeah you know a perfect example is there's a part in the album where the lyric steve austin's kind of like over and over again he's like almost like yelping this uh line about um it's okay um i'm fine you know wait what is it what's the lyric um I'm just drunk, Say lies, tell everything, say anything. you know it's, he's saying, tell lies, say anything, I'm fine, I'm just drunk. It's like this rambling off that he does. And um, you know, why? Why is that in the song? Well, getting to talk to the guys, apparently Mike's dad was drunk one time, and he said that to them, like as they met him for the first time. Say lies. <laughs> say anything you know tell lies <laughs> and they were just like what the hell so they were just thought there there was such a made such an impression on them that they they threw that on in the album and that's what i'm saying like there's something real about this album that's not just like i'm trying to be technical or i'm trying to be weird or I'm trying to be it's just I, I really feel a sense of like just creative raw energy from life it just that's is what I love about it it just is yeah the the album is extremely layered i've listened to it since 1996 that's when i discovered them and i got into it i've been listening to that album ever since and i still find things in that album that i haven't heard before and it's one of those albums that can so quickly be um pushed aside as like um noise or whatever but there's it's completely filled every second of that album is filled with some detail that is just so good and so um uh, I don't know. It's like when you when you listen to the album, you can almost like I said, you can almost think it's like a experiment in a studio, and it's not. It's just they, they were just that tight, and and you know there were the artistic tracks in between and stuff. But you know, overall, I think you're hearing uh, just a an intense <laughs> first album. Did you guys listen to the um, the seven inch stuff that came out right before it, the um, the Amrep seven inch?
2: No, I didn't get a chance to listen to a lot of the in-between stuff. So my familiarity is pretty
0: much just the studio albums. Yeah, they they did two songs called um, I've Been Scared and Come On Down and Get Saved. You know, I would say I would lump them in with this in the same description of just, you know, sounds like there's a lot more people playing in this band than those three guys on this album. And it's not a studio experiment, you know. So, yeah, a great first album. I wish my first album was as good. <laughs>
1: 1994 Willpower So you know how I said on
2: the last album That the lyrics sounded like a Like just a a train of thought (laughs) Essentially This album is more so Like if you can believe that The lyrics are actually shorter And you know it's just It's a stream of consciousness And I'm okay with that because I can focus more on the music Without having to sit there and be like Well what's this song about Because I do that a lot
0: I, know, I think I know what you mean with the lyrics, because um, I've always, it was it always, and again, it goes back to that idea of, like, this just see, seems like something real is pouring out of these guys, but the, the lyrics to me always seemed really weird, that they would go, um, they'd be singing, like, there's a, uh, in My First Knife, um, he's singing, you know, this gorgeous, kind of beautiful musical moment of, you know, uh, morning dove, lift me up so high, I wish you were with me instead of far away, and then it just immediately goes into this insanity, and he starts yelling about, you know, something completely dark. I want to crash.
2: Like, I want to burn. I want to yeah, drown. Yeah, I, I want to die. It's, yeah. It's,
0: there's a lot of, almost like a schizophrenia to it and um, emotional, like, I, I I think if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, um, but I think this was an album that Steve was um, making when he was mourning his father who had died. So I think there's some of that going on in the lyrics as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's... I, you know the thing about willpower, I think it's everyone's favorite in terms of the those who who hold true to the original band but um what I love about it is it's kind of like where supernova had the layers and the things like that this one they kind of just stripped it all out and just got to it's very stripped down it's very it's almost like them playing live completely it's it's there's not a whole lot of extra tracking and it's it's just very, guitar, bass, and drums. And I would say even more than Supernova, this one is absolutely the same sounding band live as as on record.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And I would describe this record as much more visceral too uh, yeah. in, in the sense that the dark moments are really, really dark, and like almost just insane, like you're in the brain of a serial killer. And then, <laughs> you know, but then you have these light, happy moments but they're not light and happy in the sense of like, oh, I feel really good now listening to this because they're mixed in with this insanity. It really makes the quote unquote melodic or happy moments really come
0: across as more creepy than anything else. Totally. And, and you know, again, with the dy- the rhythm section, you know, some of the work I, ha- I got to say, Mike hurrell's bass work, I- I've never heard anything like it in my life <laughs> to this day. I try to wrap my head around some of the riffs he's playing. You know, there's times where he's not even like strumming his strings; he's just scratching the, the strings or doing harmonics and just making these weird sounds that just don't sound like anything you've heard before. And the idea for him to take a note in the direction he takes it, when Steve's kind of just shredding this huge riff over this piercingly loud riff, and he, Mike, just takes the riff, his riffs, in like a totally different direction, and it somehow just works. It comes together.
1: It's like a Tom and, you know, thing where you stop treating the guitar like an instrument and more like a piece of wood with strings attached to it
0: right <laughs> i don't know if my curl ever pulled his the, the the cord out of the jack and tapped the uh pickups or anything like that but but can you say he but, didn't um, i can't say he didn't That's right. <laughs> But yeah, you know the other thing is like Supernova had some improv jams happening on that album. I think at the kind of towards the end, there's a song there that's that's literally them just jamming, like yeah, just the, creating the, something on the, the spot. The B side of the album is very jammy. Mm-hmm. And and again, this one's very just to the point. It's a tight 36 minutes, I think. In and I love the production of it. It's just it, it's so piercing. It's got this, uh, I don't know. It's very bright, and the guitars are just like almost hurt your ears, but it's. It works so well. And I do like that it's more melodic in spots as well. Um, And that's the, it's their most musical album, I think.
1: This is my favorite of the classic Today is the Day records. And classic is probably the wrong word. I'm just going to say the older records because this had just enough melody, traditional melody, that I kind of got a Mars Volta vibe off of it. So it was enough to not have to buy into the batshit insanity all at once, especially when you're listening to ten records uh, for the first time for me at least I
0: think this one's the best of the older records I think it's probably the best it's hard though, because every time I hear Supernova, I'm like, this is the best one and then I, I, you know, every time, I do that for some of their albums, you know and and, but Willpower, I would say, is the best in terms of, with that lineup in terms of um, the fact that it's just so simple, it's like it meaning, meaning, how it was made. Like it's, it's. They were just. They played so much that that's just what was coming out. And even more than Supernova, they just got in the studio and they just almost played it like live. It sounds like exactly like a live band. Um, now, some people not knowing how they sounded live then may not even realize that they may just think it's a great uh, recording with layered this and layered that. But no, it, it's such a to the point and stripped down album. And so because of the the fact that they. We're able to do something this good without tons of experimentation and extra things you know, going on is I think what makes it a stronger record probably. It's hard for me to say but one of my absolute favorites.
2: I think it's the best all around of the first three at least in that yeah. there's things in it that you don't have to be a certain type of person to enjoy. Right. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like Supernova you kind of have to be a little fucked up in the head already. And, you know, like with, with the amount of music that's come out since then, you know, people come to expect insanity out of music. But, you know, in this time, in this year, stuff that was extreme like this, like, I mean, you know, a death fan can't pick this up and be like, yeah, man, this is exactly what I ordered, you know, because there's there, there's too much to it. The Just down to the way the guitars are tuned, like the, the distortion that they use and just kind of this like drier sound that they have. That's what I always jokingly call 90s guitars, you know where still impossibly heavy, but they're not going for heavy in a brutal metal sense. And I think that's really what sets a band like Today is the Day apart is that they have the ability to appeal to people that aren't necessarily into metal. Now there are certain things that you're going to have to get used to like more extreme vocals but the the vocals also are on this record are not as extreme as they were on supernova you know maybe like in places they are but it's not like the main vocal output there's a lot more singing a lot more melody and uh it's all creepy and weird but i could see like a more casual rock fan giving this a chance than maybe they would supernova or even today is
0: the day i think it's a, a better entry entry level record for somebody who has never heard them from that, from that lineup for sure, because of the, the the instrumental tracks and the weird—I mean, uh, or the experimental tracks in between of Supernova—and just I think just sort of the way it's produced. But I think Willpower just really—it just punches you in the face right away, and it just—it's—it's kind of easy to listen to in a weird way because there's nothing easy about it in terms of. I've been trying to figure the bass lines out for years, and I still can't wrap my head around it. And it's not—it's—it's it's not that it's crazy technical like King Crimson. It's just that it's. So cl- so tasteful and and odd and unique to Mike Harrell. Um The other thing I really like about the album, I don't know how f- how many of the albums they did this, but one of the things that I like later on they, they change it to his vocals on these earlier records are not like run through a distortion pedal. You know, they don't have that kind of quality to them. What I like about these first few albums is that you're hearing you're hearing a production trick where the uh, vocals are breaking up in the signal and that's creating a, a like a distortion. It's like um, I think what they did was they put they were using two mix boards and they had a mic going into one mix board and then they connected that to the the actual album recording mix board and they did some peaking of levels so that when he yelled in the mic it just started s- splitting up or whatever. And I think that's kind of an awesome thing to point out cuz later on you can really tell there's not so much of that happening. It's more simplified to a the distortion production and and i really appreciate the sort of organic recording quality this is the same studio that recorded don Cavallero's uh i think that the second don Cavallero album and if you listen to those two together you can kind of hear similar production
2: yeah yeah, yeah no i That's agree campaigns um <laughs> well it's funny you say that because i didn't know it was all that complicated i thought i thought the the vocals were just like really overdriven and like they were overdriven, recorded that way, and then like turned down a little bit, you know. But you still have that crackle—the old school industrial yeah. effect. Yeah, it actually reminds me of another band we talked about in uh, December called Bile. Uh, the vocals kind of had a similar effect. Um, whereas, I mean, Bile, the vocals just sounded like that throughout, and those vocals weren't as extreme. But but the production technique was very similar, and I like yeah. it. It sounds it sounds evil, <laughs> you know. <laughs> really have any other way to describe it but it just sounds it just sounds evil it sounds a little otherworldly doesn't sound totally natural and and i like that about it it kind of gives it it, it kind of gives it a stark contrast to what could be considered by some people to be beautiful music
1: 1996
0: today is the day yeah the self-titled third album um i should just preface for anyone who's never heard of this band before and is, might go and check them out based on what we're talking about but um so the, the original lineup, as we know, it has is no more now on this third album. Uh, Mike Correll moves on for differences with, with each other, I guess. Um, but before that happened, they went to Morris Sound Studios and recorded with Scott Burns. And they did a demo as the original lineup of what would become this album. And if you poke around the internet, or I might have even sent you the song, um, there's a, a song called Mountain People from this album. That they did record as the original lineup. So we did get a, ch- a chance to hear what would have come next. But, and I say that because this is probably gonna be the album that I'm gonna argue with you guys the most on because I think this is a masterpiece. I think it's brilliant. And <laughs> it's probably one of the hardest ones for people to dig. <laughs> I'm guessing, you know.
1: I don't know that we're really gonna argue about anything. I was gonna I'm say, going to I don't ask really you though why
0: this. is it a masterpiece? I think it's really cool that um, that they they were you know their decision to record it themselves because they they couldn't afford to go to more sound for their whole album something to that effect. I think it's pretty cool that they they just made this happen. They created this recording studio and did this completely on their own. Brad's drumming is is arguably at its peak. This is definitely what he, in in his like top of his game era. Drum work he's doing on this is just breathtaking, amazing. And um, the 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 to answer your question more specifically, the I, I don't know where their heads were at. But the idea of going, hey, let's just abandon the bass guitar and go with a keyboardist is a pretty ballsy move, I think. Not just like a guy playing keyboard melodies, but someone who who had come from industrial music and was was uh, really good at creating sounds that were creepy. I don't know. It's like a nightmare. It sounds like a, an acid trip nightmare, with the the progression of the of those earlier records. But just with this weird, I think it's a. There's some scary moments on this album. Like we're, it's deeply disturbing, and you're you're getting a taste of what would come with Temple. But it's it's got this balance of the um, the things we were saying about those first two albums. But but with this weird industrial edge, and I don't know. It just they sound absolutely batshit crazy <laughs> in every way. Um, and there's just nothing like it. I mean, I've never heard an album like it, and I've never heard anything since like it. It's just, it's like it's weird lightning in a bottle thing that, that happened, and that's why I love it. it. It used to be my favorite album from them.
1: It um, is absolutely all of the things you just said. I don't think it's as ballsy of a move to abandon the bass player in this type of music. I think once the door's abandon the bass player, it's okay for a rock band especially this type, which is kind of progressive or just artsy, you can abandon the bass player and
0: do whatever you want because you're going to get away with it. Hmm, yeah. I, I mean, I think if it, in my own brain, the way I would think, you know, if we, during the tantrum days when we were playing, if my bassist left, I just wouldn't think to do what they did, to, to go, well, let's go in a completely different direction with a rhythm section that's a keyboard and a drummer. Just... To me, it was a I think it was a pretty bold move because um, they were you know following up willpower. You would think that they would have some pressure to maybe repeat that and to change what was at the time the only thing that people thought of, to, of today as they were those two albums. To just take it in that direction, it's the first sign of Steve Austin just is going to do what he wants to do and he's not going to try and, and and please you know his record labels. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that kind of aspect of it is pretty cool. But ultimately the songwriting is just there too. I mean, uh, mountain people is just great. I mean, it's just a great song. Um, bugs, death March, great song, just the, just things that they created together. The ideas of, you know, playing the kind of riffs they play with, with versus the drum beats they play. It's a very, just completely unique experience. And I, I, uh, I know they're going to reissue it at some point and I hope that they do. And I hope that maybe they could, uh, Add a little bit of low end to it because I know that it kind of sounded a little thin compared to the original stuff, but yeah, it's definitely a weird um, transition record. That and I I usually love transition records, you know, like Clutch is like that. When Clutch transitioned from what they were to what they became, right in the middle there, they do that you know self-titled Space album, whatever, and and Elephant Riders, and that's like right where I want to be with bands (laughs) right on the transition. So.
2: I found this record to be pretty horrifying in places, yeah, like really scary like because I listened to a lot of these records real late at night, you know, while my family was asleep and I was I'm listening to them on the sound system in, you know, in my basement. and uh, you know, I'm just kind of kind of entranced in it, but like all the lights are out, it's in the dark and it's uh at one point, I remember I think it was in the middle of uh, bugs, one of my kids came up behind me and like tap me on the shoulder and i swear (laughs) i swear like there's now like a hole in the ceiling that's my exact outline like that i jumped so hard because this record just put me in a place of, of sheer horror like and it's not even that it's necessarily meant to be that way but there was something weird about the lack of bass instead of me just being like oh there's no bass so it sounds thin which is how i should feel uh, I didn't really feel that way. I kind of, like, it gave the record kind of this otherworldly sound, and uh, it just, it's just creepy, man. And, like, the lyrics are, again, God. almost like, you know, coming, like, from the brain
0: of a serial killer. You that know? song, She Is In Fear of Death, the, the way he, they keep stopping and changing into a different thing, and it just kind of keeps going around in circles, and it's just, and what he's singing on top of it, I, I completely agree. It's, it's Depending on the person, it could be a terrifying <laughs> record. For me, it was just, it hit that sweet spot of just, um, I I was listening to a lot of bands like Roadside Monument and like I said, Don and bands like that that were kind of like math rock, but hadn't, didn't have like the edge of metal to it. It didn't have a metal or industrial edge of any kind. In my brain, it's what I was wanting, but I didn't know that. When I finally, because I, I discovered Today's Day when they were playing for this album still, and. I didn't see this lineup but they this was the last album that had been out before i'd seen them live um but when i heard them live and i experienced the, the live show and, and how intense it was and just so dark and heavy and just hit me at that right time it was like i went back to band practice i was like guys this is what we've been trying to figure out like we need to do stuff like this and we were in a band at the time called kl radio and it was kind of like uh, you know sunny day real Estate and quicksand and stuff like that and we were kind of trying to do more roadside monument type stuff. Well, I brought that self-titled album into the practice space. And I remember Rick was all about it. But the third guy we were playing with hated it. <laughs> so naturally, <laughs> when t- when Kayla Radio broke up, it was like we-, we we were immersed in this band by that point. We were trying to play with the kind of insanity that these guys were playing with. And they're like I said, they were a very big influence on me. But um, yeah, I mean, who puts flanges on drums? I mean, I don't know if that's common. I've never noticed it. You- do you do that? Joe, I know you're a production guy.
1: I've done it in the past. It's when you want to get that spacey sound and you get that yeah. slow droning open hi-hat slam going on. Throw a little flange on there and it just goes left to right.
0: Yeah, Dan hates it. I love it. it. I, I don't, I do I don't think it. it's for every everybody or everything, but just the the production of the drums is just super awesome. It almost sounds like percussion in times, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, man, great record. I hope more people... I think it's really overlooked... I think more to the relapse fans. And they should go back and really give that another spin, for sure.
1: Well, let's go to the Temple of the Morning Star, 1997. Oh, boy. Anytime you get a band like this, who consistently puts out albums less than two years apart, I have to ask the question, are you just making it up as you go? Or are you doing the chariot thing where you sit down and just... Output an emotion and put it on tape and go out on tour. This band so far has given me that tribal tech vibe where it's just a group of guys who can get together and make music without necessarily writing it. I mentioned that in the beginning of the episode. Then we got to the Temple of the Morning Star. Somebody figured out how to make this into an even bigger deal than it already was.
0: Yeah, uh, it's weird because I saw them live... When Self Title was the last album they put out, but but they were writing and playing stuff for this album. But it it was like right in between. And they were actually playing here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, because at this uh, club called the Chameleon Club, uh, they were there to get signed to Relapse, because Relapse uh, is local here. And so that was a label showcase for them. Um, It was a no-brainer to sign them. But um, yeah, you know, the funny thing about it is, like, I never heard of Today's a Day until I saw them during this. Right at this point. And I thought they were like a pop punk band because I had heard the band name. I went to see, <laughs> I went to see the, the, the uh, you know, that band Vision of Disorder, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I went, we went to see Vision of Disorder and they these guys were open for him. And I was like, today's a day. It sounds like pop punk, like saves the day or something, or just some kind of, you know, that kind of a band. And then to make matters worse, this particular lineup that he was using at the time. Uh, The drummer was wearing like nice dress pants and he had like a dress shirt on tucked in or something like, and then the other two guys were just t-shirt jeans with chucks or something like, they were completely just normal. Nothing about them said, this is Temple of the Morning Star material. But, and there was no sound check. So, you know, we're standing there kind of like, what is this? You know, and, and as soon as they came in with the man who loves to hurt himself, that sample, and then the ballistics that come after that, and I literally saw Steve Austin. I'm not joking at all when I say this. The dude was so like intense. Like he would like lean into the mic, like real, like real. The way he would do his screams, his microphone went to the back of his throat, and vomit came out of his mouth. Like he gagged himself with his microphone. <laughs> there was slobber just running. There was like a puddle of it on the floor, and the sweat. It was all like collecting like a puddle underneath. That was the kind of insanity that this band was doing at the time. They were just complete wall of sound and just melted my brain and that was that was what did it for me and then temple would come out you know months later or whatever but yeah this one was the first one that I noticed was like okay they're they're really into black Sabbath they're really into metal you know
2: I think that it is a completely disgusting record and I love it <laughs> I mean it's it's everything <laughs> your parents were ever warning you about heavy metal music yeah. you know like just completely, completely depraved, you know, ideas about the world. And like, when I, when I read the lyrics, like, I don't like, I don't know if they're sarcastic or not based on the previous albums. I'm going to say, no, they're not. But in this case, I mean, this, this is where the band truly sounded quote unquote evil to me. And that's, that's what I love about it is that it's so, um, Like I I use this term a lot, like on the fly songwriting, and it's not that they didn't compose these songs. Obviously, they did. This is a level of songwriting that I'm not ever going to be capable of matching. And the concept that only that basically only three dudes made these sounds, like it is just uh, like the man who loves to hurt himself is probably my favorite today's the day song, just because it's so grime. Like I feel like I feel like this was their first like actual. We're going to make a ball-busting heavy metal album.
0: It was a little weird for me to take it in when it first came out because I wasn't expecting. Because I had gone I had gone back and listened to Supernova and Willpower before this came out. So I, I was getting into all that, and that was just where my head was at with them. Um, so when this came out, I was like, whoa, this is like a metal album. I wasn't ready for like today's the day metal. Um, and another interesting about thing about this album is... Um, The drummer on it, Mike Hyde, He, I don't know what happened to him, but he only toured for a little while, and then Brad Elrod came back. I should have mentioned that, that Brad Elrod did not record on this album. So he's back in the band touring. So now we have two-thirds of the original lineup again, but instead of Scott Wexton, who played on Self-Title, now we have this guy named Chris Reeser, who looked like the Hollywood portrayal of Jesus Christ at the time. He had like the long hair and the beard, looked straight up like Jesus of Nazareth, (laughs) <laughs> and he's up there banging his head to this music, you know. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's um, it was a different, it was a different album live than it was on, you know, on the album. And a much more, uh, I don't know, the production's really good. I love the production of it, but it doesn't give you that sense of like the first, the front row of that, of that show is going to get slobbered on. It doesn't give you that. And um, seeing them live during this was just like intense and scary.
1: (laughs) I like this album from a production standpoint. It's the power trio making one big sound taken to the next level. It's also the first time I can really say if you're not into this style of music, you are not on board. There's nothing here that's going to convince you to listen to it if you're just not into it. This is like the Mars Volta taken to a completely different level. This is, we're creating this sound, this atmosphere, and you're going to buy into it, or you will not come to the show. Or, you know, just go kill
0: yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I, um, I think that they were still finding an audience, obviously, um, and with so many changes they had already gone through for two albums. um. And going from Amphetamine Reptile to to Relapse was such a because back then Relapse wasn't doing bands like Nothing and Torch and more mellow groups. They were just strictly like death metal and grindcore death metal label. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it was weird already that that was the label that would put this out. So I think there were there was there wasn't really a a, a real dedicated audience yet that was going to follow him, Steve Lawson, onward, but. Um, I got a sense when i was going to the shows during this era that people had were, were just like me when i first saw them they had no clue who this band was and that and i watched them go through the same experience i did where you know i knew what was coming that sample would come in and and they would just start going ballistic and people were just so there like uh what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> and that was a general theme before uh, for seeing and i went to see them probably a thousand times during this era we were just, we would travel to see him at this point. Um, and we were already doing Tantrum Muse, and it was just like a, a musical, artistic marriage for me, you know? So it was when I finally met Steve and, and shared my band with him, and, you know, we still talk to this day.
2: Yeah, I think the samples on this record like really cut through in a way that they didn't before and are like, they start kind of fitting with the themes of the songs in a weird way, whereas I kind of felt like before the samples were just kind of random. And, yeah. and they can still seem that way. Yeah, like the like Chrysler. Yeah. <laughs> oh the Chrysler my God.
0: Yeah. Really? I don't know like, what that was about. At all. I know. It was funny though. But
2: it's awesome. And like yeah. I'm I'm a huge, huge sucker for samples in, in music anyway. Like I feel like it adds so much. And um, you know, in in the case of this album, it was it was pretty much perfect. And you know, the
0: funny thing is with the samples, that's the one thing we didn't rip off this band with, because we actually got that idea to play samples live from a band called Dig Jesus, which was a, a, an it's alternative a, band. That's coming. a deep
2: cut. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> totally. Great band. But um, they kind of were in the uh, Christian punk alternative scene with scattered and all that. I saw them at the cornerstone and they, and they had tons of samples. We had samples on our, our demos before way before we did, tantrum on like raucous and all that stuff we did before and but again when you see today's a day it's like okay that's how you should do it and that's these samples we had were stupid samples of like goofy things these guys were doing like you know like that like i said that that sample that opens temple is just intense it's like or i mean uh, the man who loves to hurt himself it's it's you know so it feels so serious and it's like man we're gonna like we're going to like blow your mind with this. (laughs) And that's what we wanted to do. So we streamlined our sample ideas for sure after getting into this band. But yeah, it was great to see Brad Elrod playing drums on the temple song. I kind of wish he was on the album, but Mike Hyde's a good drummer. Definitely.
1: 1999 in the eyes of God. This is the most (laughs) tame record so far. And I use the word tame very loosely.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would call it tame, but I would say it's a slick record for them. Um, whatever metal was influenced was coming into it, this was where he fully embraced it, and I would say where Temple was a Black Sabbath album, and I say that almost, I mean, it's so obvious because they covered Sabbath Boy's Sabbath on it, but, but just if you even remove that, it has that sort of riffage going on, you know. Um, with with this album, I feel like this is where they, they were like, we're going to embrace our past of listening to like Napalm Death and slayer and things like that and more specifically a met like a tried and true metal album and i i love this one too i think this is a, a fantastic album real short and sweet like punk rock two two minute songs you know
2: yeah i really liked this one uh it's no it's no secret that i'm a pretty big fan of grindcore and bands like napalm death and uh stuff like that so like this this really is probably one of my favorites if not my favorite today's the day album because it's like the record that they wrote that caters
0: more to me personally i I was gonna say i would think that and the kind of show that you guys do and you discuss metal that's why we have the website (laughs) um i i think if i were to assume i would think this is probably the pinnacle record for you guys because of it's just it really is like a a throwback to, to thrash and, and death metal and um, it, you know the uh, the cover art <laughs> so we when we showed up to see them live for this album they had a giant banner of that cover art I remember just being like hmm of, of course this is going to be the cover of the next album <laughs> but um, I never took the Satan stuff seriously I know that that's kind of like Almost a, a homage to being metal is to have the the, the Slayer you know pentagrams and stuff. Um, not to say that Steve didn't have any dabble in anything serious with it, but I didn't. It didn't upset my Christian values. And um, and I remember uh, they told me that it was it was done by Paul Booth. who's a he's like a famous tattoo artist. And apparently that cover art was a sketch drawing. Like he was like went and like like drew that in minutes or something, or like it was very fast and gave it to Steve. Like, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And Steve was like, no, that's, that's all I need. And kind of just took it from there. So kind of a cool story about the artwork looks cool. But, Thanks. Um, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's a striking image. Um, I love the red versus the silver and black from the past. I kind of like the art direction. Um, and uh, this is the pre-Mastodon today's day. So the, the lineup we have here is, Brandon Bill from Macedon. So uh, I forget the name of the band they were in before that. I guess I'd broken up and they were about to do Macedon. And um, uh, Bill from Macedon is playing bass and not guitar here. Yeah. So another interesting, and that's where I discovered these guys because obviously I didn't know anything about what they were about before, but um, yeah, man, Uh, the song going to hell I should mention is a, uh, a cover of, of a song that Steve was doing with another band, before today's day, they called Alien in the Land of Our Birth. It was him and Brad's band. And that was more of an art rock, trippy, heavy band. Was a lot, probably with some drugs involved. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, they did a song. that song going to hell first.
1: Is it really a cover if you wrote the song?
0: It's right, right. It's a redo. <laughs> it's a remake. But um, so Steve used that on this, and it fits in perfectly with this album. But it'd be interesting for people to check out the other version because it's very different. It's got a, a more, um, almost more like a Jane's Addiction vocal style, or more of a trippy, you know, art rock style. But um, yeah, it's, it's the the whole album. It's just slays, and um, there's still a, a front and center artistic thing happening here. Like, there's a lot of, um, you know, like it, this is. There's still like even though the the thing became more metal or you know aggressive, there still was that artistic side in these albums, you know. A Lot of experimentation with the production ideas, and um, yeah, I love that. Um, they sampled uh, there's a movie, uh, what's the name of that movie? Um, you ever heard of uh, was it Peter Greenaway? He's the guy who did the 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 I want to call it The Thief. <laughs> Man, I can't even remember it now. Hold on, let me try to remember this. Uh, oh, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Have you heard of that movie? Heard of, yeah, never seen. Yeah, it's a it's a real weird uh, art house film, but um, they sampled that. In the beginning of going, down. that's what that choiry vocal is in the beginning. Well, now we're going um,
1: straight for the obscure. We're going for art house films that we already know people don't. Yeah, watch. that's what I'm saying.
0: Like, <laughs> like, like if you like if you follow any of that stuff, and you you can see like clearly, there's still a weird creative process happening with with today's. Day. They weren't just like abandoning the uh, past art stuff. It was just you know, it was just going in a different direction, but it was still there. It was that trippy psychedelic kind of quality was still there with the band.
1: Well, Stephen, if it was so. up to me, I would sample Beyond the Black Rainbow, but I can promise you that you would not like <laughs> the ending. <laughs> In fact, you would feel right. cheated and disappointed. <laughs> I got to ask, though, about that. I like uh, it right
2: where it I got to yeah. ask about the art, though. What was the artistic
1: meaning behind Bionic Cock? Well, Dan, that I, I was trying to solve... The food supply issues in the future. So once Leonardo, Leonardo has put the pleasure dome in place, we have to come up with robot chickens.
2: Okay. And at the end of this plan, we nuke the Earth from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Okay. All right. (laughs) Glad we got glad we got that out of the way. No, I love this album, and it's it's literally probably the most listened to that I have. Well, that's not true. I actually listened to a different album that we'll get to more than any other one, but it's not my fault. But, yeah, th- this record is <laughs> so heavy and so intense. And, yeah, we compare it to, like, heavier bands like Napalm Death and stuff. But, like, the reality is is that, like, yeah, you're getting kind of this grind, almost death metal thing, thrash, too. But it's still done with the same sort of approach that Today, is Today has always had in that you're getting so much more than just a standard heavy album. Right. And, yeah. um...
1: And then I don't I don't know what the fuck is up with the next record. Sadness yeah. Will Prevail in 2002, disc X or disc Y, depending on how you feel
0: about it. I loved that. I love that they titled it that way. It's very strange. Like Why didn't they just do the last two letters of the alphabet? Because this record isn't that kind of record, you know? What you but, don't um,
2: know is that there's actually two more discs that were never released, right? Yeah,
0: they had the full alphabet, but they had to cut it down a little bit. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I'm not gonna say that this is a favorite of mine, but um, I will say it's a completely split record. I mean, it has found its audience, and there are tons of people who think this is their best album, who just love it, and just you know will say things like, you know, it helped them through difficulty in their life, and or the I've I've seen guys on YouTube commenting, you know, and saying things like, I put this on repeat, and I'm. You know, it's a two and a half hour long album already. So putting it on repeats pretty intense. Like, so, yeah, it's it's not it's a it's a tough listen for sure.
2: It really is. I mean, clocking in at two hours and thirty three minutes. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I'm a simple guy, Stephen. I I listen to records. I talk about them. Yeah. This was such an investment in my time. And so the first time I listened to it, I was like, okay, there is a today's the day album in here. Like it yeah, totally. is there there is an album here but it's kind of like you you were walking down the stairs with a grocery basket full of all of the elements that you need for a today is the day album and then at some point you fell down a flight of stairs into the dark and then you're just reaching around in the dark grabbing those essential elements
0: <laughs> Yeah I have 3 problems with this album. One of them is the production. Um I I appreciate the rawness of it if, if that was the intention. Um, and I appreciate that um, it's had the, I just appreciate the whole creative weirdness of this album, but sonically I feel like because there are so many tracks that are kind of compositions, you know, they're not really like songs. They're more like pieces of music that really just kind of are in like a loop, a repetition. Or and something. sometimes not music at all. <laughs> That's also true. But um I kind of would have loved to have heard like the the uh, classical compositions that were on the album, like the the up uh, the the bowing wind inst- or string instruments and that kind of thing produced really well. And um, you know the heavy the tracks that, and there's some really awesome songs on this album, these this double album. But I feel like if it had if had the, the production of even like the In the Eyes of God or something that where it was just it was very big sounding, I don't know if I would. S- feel it was a you know a hard listen as much you know um things sound very tinty if that's if that's a way to describe it well uh, it almost seems
1: it almost seems like a rejection of that big sound this was 2002 so you're rebelling against popular music which was ending with new metal and beginning with metalcore and hardcore so what was this the opposite of we're going to make the record sound like it was recorded on a four-track cassette machine? In a dungeon? It's it's interesting. With the door I mean, open?
0: It's the first album with Chris Dabari on bass. And he's the, the probably the longest-running bassist that was in Today's the Day. He's on the most repetitive out, al- like, you know, more albums. And he is my favorite Today's a Day bassist post-original lineup. And it frustrates me that... He did not get the chance... Now, he may not agree with this, but I'll just... From a fan perspective. He never got the chance to shine on record like he did live. He was live, he was nuts. And he was great. And this lineup was great. This, This group of songs was great. I saw them during this, right before this came out, and it was amazing. And, like, the song The Descent, when they play that song live, it was, like, nuts. But... I was hoping that feeling I was getting would be on the record, and it, and unfortunately, that was a one of the strikes for me was the production sound. The other thing is is that this thing's too long. It's um, I think I can appreciate the pieces of music, but sometimes they're several minutes longer than they need to be. I, you know, I, I hate talking like that because it's like I'm trying to cut down someone's artistic expression. But you know, from me, the fan, it's okay. We do it all the time. Yeah, it, it's. It is very long and hard to listen to. I know they mixed it on tour. Uh, what happened was Steve was, was going to mix the album, and then they got an offer they couldn't refuse, which was to go on tour with Motorhead. And uh, it's a pretty good gig, you know. Good to choice. For Motorhead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean, so, Lemmy calls. You got to go. Exactly.
1: Steven, you and, figured it out. The record was mixed to sound like Lemmy sings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's I, better than my previous I heard, analogy, I promise. <laughs> The, I, I, I think what happened was I think he was mixing it while they were on tour like in, in the hotels or van and it was who very knows kinda... what he had to work with
1: even if you have right. a really good set of headphones people that do it for a living say you should not mix with headphones because your yeah. ear canals cannot produce the acoustic space necessary to actually develop a mix you work with what you have so yeah. I'm sure those people that think this is the best record are appreciative of the length of the artistic expression. Here's two and a half hours of this band that I like doing nothing the same. That's the reason you watch an arthouse film, because you're going to see what could be considered random bullshit for way too much time, and when it's over, you're going to tell me how great it was. I'm going to go back to Beyond the Black Rainbow for a second. Steven, it's not a
0: good movie, but it looks really good for like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of, uh, you know, like the movie I was referencing, Peter Greenway's movies are, are kind of like that. They're gorgeous, but they're really hard to watch <laughs> sometimes. But um, And that's probably a good example with this album. I mean, and I don't mean to crap all over this record. I mean, there's a lot to like, too. I mean... I said,
1: sometimes random is good if you're taking it in a small burst. Give me a 35-minute grindcore record. I'm not going to be as happy as Dan is, but at least at the end of the 35 minutes, I'm going to tell you how great the grindcore was. Two and a half hours in, for the love of God, stop playing and get off the stage.
0: Right. <laughs> well, one of the weird things I think about, and I haven't really thought about it much until recently revisiting this album is how crazy it was that they followed up their most successful album with this. I mean, it's again, that this, it, it just continually goes to show that Steve Austin's just moving forward. He's not trying to repeat himself and, uh, you know, big respect for that. I mean, I don't know if I would be able to take my band with an established sound from X amount of records and then followed up with two and a half hours, fill the entire disc up with with the with with sounds and, and music, um, and they're very proud of this record. And I don't mean to, to take that away from them, but you know, fans love it or fans just hated it. I don't think there was a real in between. There's no casual listener to this album. I don't think that is even possible. Well, well, Stephen, you
1: know? if anybody could do it, it would be you. I have faith in your ability to I fill that hour one. and twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, but you know, you know the the sample from uh, American movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that with the, the coven, the guy was uh, making his horror movie called coven. Uh, they, the paradise lost samples, a lot of cool references to, uh, you know, film and stuff in this album. Um, I think Rosemary's baby's in there at the end, with the hell Satan, all that stuff. But, um, I don't know. Some of the, some of the instrumentals, it kind of reminds me of like, like, uh, like when supernova there, you know, there was a couple weird things like the man on blind man on mystic lake, or um uh, a man of science you know tracks like that where they were they were just kind of like this but you know they weren't 10 minute long versions, <laughs> you know So yeah, I mean I, I respect this album a lot and it's I think it's the last time I felt this level of creative process with with today's day where they're not um, just trying to grind out fast songs but they're they're really trying to do something experimental at least that I miss a little bit from them so I kind of appreciate it for that.
2: Well, I'm not going to lie. I actually listened to this six times in the past two weeks. All the way through? All the way through. I mean, I took breaks, but yeah. Uh, the first sure. three times were all the way through, and then I, I kind of grabbed it in like 25-minute to 30-minute increments. And it, it was mostly just me trying to get it. Yeah. Because I just felt like there was more to this than I was, than I was getting. And inevitably, after six listens, I kind of just gave up because I was like, it's just not for me. Maybe it doesn't make it bad, you know, but I also feel like, you know, to use an example that Joe uses, uh, Captain Beefheart, (laughs) I feel like this is a record that a lot of people listen to and will say that it's uh, great. Trout (laughs) Mask. Yeah, Trout Mask replica. Replica, yeah. (laughs) But I think it's a record that a lot of people listen to, and there's a lot of pressure when you've got these, like, avant-garde bands like this. There's a lot of pressure to listen to a two 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 and a half hour album and be like, oh, yeah, that was great. But I don't think everybody that listens to it and says it's great necessarily gets it. But they want to be on the same team as the cool kids that do get it. And I think that's how a record like this gets universal praise in that, you know, and I'm not saying it's a piece of shit. It's not dog
0: shit, but it's, it's no, well, not just at all. too much. It's a a perfect way to say it's too much of a good thing.
1: It's an endurance match. You're only listening to it and putting yourself through it because you can say you did.
0: There's, there's a lot of songs that even the ones that are real long and don't have singing, like the instrumentals where I could hear them being really well-crafted songs with, with vocals. And I'm like, I think, you know, my third criticism about it is, is that, is that there's too many instrumental tracks where they're not actually singing and creating melodies with it. Um, you know, those three things just, I think the greatest compliment I can give this album, and I'm not, a, I'm not even joking when I say this, and this really is meant to be a compliment. It's the only today's the day album where I have to constantly pause it to check if something is weird with my ears. Yeah. It's, it's sonically fucks with my head. It, it, there's a time, there were times where I was literally feeling like s- the sound was like, because if you listen to it like in headphones or something, there's times where things in it, some of the chaotic moments it made me think my hearing was going out on my left ear and I would stop and be like I sit there and click my fingers like I'm like my ears are fine it's <laughs> like what's going on push play and it keeps happening I'm like wait this has to be the album doing this to me
1: some and assholes I, got I, the pan I, control and they're moving it just one inch to the right <laughs> and moving it back over just to fuck with Steven Sorrow <laughs> right?
0: there's, there's maybe the van was, was just on. taking
2: some weird turns when they were touring and he was mixing it <laughs> he's like oh shit did i oh it's it's okay i put it right back in the center it's okay now
0: i mean if the guys are listening seriously it's a really awesome record and it's 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 like eating five pieces of cake more than i should have but love the creative creativity of it i love that they got chris force who's a awesome musician she's in a band called um amber asylum she's the one who's doing a lot of the string arrangements and the female vocals on that um that's i don't know if you've ever heard amber asylum but they're really cool too um so yeah, it's it, there's a lot to like, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree that it's that it's a very well thought out artsy project, but there are moments when I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, "Come on, guys! Like, you know," and, and get again, it over with. And again, I listened to it six times, and if that wasn't enough times for me to get it, then I'm just not going to yeah. get it, and it's probably my fault. But um, yeah, I mean, it's but definitely we gotta- not for
0: everybody.
1: That's for even even hardcore today's day fans. It's not for every one of them, for sure. Absolutely. So, 2004, gentlemen, it's time to kiss the pig. <laughs> oh yeah. man! You guys
2: seen Black Mirror? Uh, that's He didn't kiss the pig in Black Mirror.
1: <laughs> I don't think he even called the pig the next day. Well, once again, guys, we have another lineup. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Steven, I appreciate the consistency in the band name and the overall theme of Let's Create Something Chaotic and Awesome. This is at home in 2004. I think everything before this could be considered avant-garde, insane, batshit, whatever you want to say. 2004, when people are getting into hardcore and metalcore, this fits. It's just mid-range enough. It's mixed like a solid hardcore release. I think this one fits in. Not as good as the previous records, but I think this one kind of stands with it.
0: Minus the production, I think this is the record that probably would have made more sense following up In the Eyes of God. Just, I don't know, just obviously the, the speed, metal, aspect of it, the grindcore. I know they were going for like an early earache records type stuff, like with those more raw sounding you know, the they, they overproduced part of it, not being here is was definitely an intentional thing and you know, the, the drummer on this is um, you guys ever heard of Circle of Dead Children? Yes. Yeah, it's the drummer from that band. His name is Mike Mike, Mike Rosswag or something like that. Um, he's like a grindcore drummer, like through and through and I guess a good thing to say about this album is that if you're looking for that, it, you, I mean, it's it's there in droves. I miss a bit of the dynamics, um, dynamic elements that were up to this point front and center, you know. Because um, even on the last album, like you know, the heavy stuff, it seemed like maybe Steve was just picking up a mic and singing, however he sang. There wasn't a lot of layers or stuff. The the drum work was still pretty dynamic. The bass stuff was pretty dynamic. This one's really straight up, just like blast beats, death metal, and Apart from Steve's vocals, I don't know if you would notice this was Today's the Day.
1: Well, this is good if you're a fan of this style, but... How you doing? In the overall scheme of Today's the Day and what they do, there's a reason you don't turn it up to 10 and leave it there, but they decided to leave it there for this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, and again, there's lots to like about it, for sure. I love grindcore and death metal and, like, blast beats and all that stuff, so, yeah, it's like, let's hear some crazy... Like noise rock, death metal, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, it. I think for me, another thing is just it's. I, I don't think the songs are quite. I think I, lo- I lose interest about um, halfway through, about two thirds of the way through. I'm kind of like already done with it, and it's already kind of a short album. Um, the thing about that kind of music is I can't listen to hours of it. You know, it's like I, I almost feel like I need it for my for energy. I just want to put it on and just freak out for a little bit, and then like, all right, I'm I'm out of breath now. Cool, I got my fill. I'm done, and now I'll switch to like Enya or something. But I'm kidding. But um, yeah, this one—it's a short record. It's very simple, but I'm—I find myself a little bit, a little bit tired of it before it's over.
2: I appreciate its overall straightforwardness, and you know, I think that like production-wise, I think this album slams. Like it's—it's it, it's exactly what you would want if you picked up a uh, relapse record release. You know, like it it checks all the boxes and, you know, you might, you might say, oh, well, you know, that's just, that's just them kind of bowing to what the label wants or, but like, I don't think that's what it is. I think, I think sometimes you just want to write a record that works. And I think that they, that's absolutely what they did here. You know, yeah, it's, it's missing maybe a little bit more of the avant-garde stuff, but that stuff is still in there. Like the elements are still there. Um, again, it's it's not like a straightforward grind release, or, or anything like that. But it is much closer to that than they've ever been. And um, yeah, but one yeah, thing I noticed definitely. is that the lyrics were a huge step up on this album. They were much longer. Like the songs all have like I don't know. There's like eighteen thousand words for each song. It's still very like stream of consciousness, but like it seems a little bit more sincere. Like it doesn't sound. As much like just random shit is being thrown out there just to be shocking, like the, these songs actually go somewhere, you know.
0: Yeah, I I I do appreciate it in certain moods that I'm in that uh, that I can just like get blasted in the face full speed, and you know, Steve Austin, he, he's he's again he's moving forward, um, <laughs> not a repeat of the last album, you know, and it's very. You know uh, he's he's kind of like the sound at this point you know there the there isn't like a there hasn't been enough consistency in the lineups for it to be a real band effort and that kind of starts to show up on these records for me and steve is like i said if his vocals weren't there um now granted chris's bass works awesome um i love the power kind of got like power chords almost on his bass and it's real real heavy real distorted and heavy um, I never got to see him live during this album, and I kind of wished I did, just to hear if it would just blast my face, like, it, you know, the music's just so fast, but, um, and I kind of missed just that loud volume, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I don't know, it, the dynamics are, are lacking for me, I definitely appreciate what you're saying with the lyrics, um, I think the artwork's pretty cool, like, it was some artist in Japan, that they were touring in Japan, so they got that art, um, I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't even know what kiss the pig means. but um, I don't think this is a step a forward, though.
1: Segment. Once the dynamics are gone, you've gone as far forward as you can go. You're to the point where you're just playing fast, loud, and you're not giving the music any room to breathe whatsoever. To me, that's a downside for the band as a whole, but it's a, an upside if what you're looking for is a straightforward release that doesn't require... Complex bullshit and thinking and to appreciate, yeah. right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is you
2: you have to look at the context of this. This came after a two and a half hour album that, that came was out anything, after Any other Guy, <laughs> yeah. That was just um, uh, man, yeah. It's that, a strange decision, but it's that's cool. what I'm saying. Like it's, I, I totally understand why it's this way because you can't just, I don't know, you can't do sadness will prevail again. If you do, I feel like you've lost everybody, and you know I, I, you, well, ha- yeah. you can have nothing. <laughs> you can have nothing but focus after putting a record out like that.
0: Yeah. When I when I say it's a move forward, I'm strictly referring to the fact that he's not trying to repeat himself. In and, and so, whether it's a, a less dynamic record or it's ten times dynamic, it really just comes down to he doesn't really give a shit that everyone tells him to go do another Willpower and go do another Temple. You know, he clearly doesn't doesn't care about that. And I think that's respectable. And and at this point, you know, if I'm if the band's not going to always be what I want it to be, (laughs) that whole like pigeonhole your favorite band or whatever, then I want to appreciate it for just being completely not what I'm expecting and completely different and being who you are now and not who you were then. um, I'm kind of glad Steve. Steve's not the guy he was in. Tumble the Morning Star. I'm kind of glad he's not writing songs like "Kill Yourself." I kind of want to see a guy who's now a family man. He's, which he is, and he's like showing, you know, his where his life's at on each record, and I, I I can appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what's so funny about that, but
1: I mean, if the definition of family man is what this album sounds like, then I don't know if I approve of your parenting style.
0: (laughs) No. No, I, I had a feeling. Everybody come upstairs in time to eat dinner. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know if he had I don't know how old his kids are, and I don't know if they were born yet. But I, yeah, I wasn't saying <laughs> where he's at now is where he was at here. It's where you, you know, took to me, my like,
1: brain, Stephen. Not where the album went.
0: <laughs> no, on this album, like the artwork is just like him and Chris with like face masks and machine guns and stuff. Like, I guess I think Steve Austin was was recording weapons for. Other media. Oh, like we're moving on to days, Axis of Eden. Like that. Yeah, well, Axis, Axis of Eden. But I'm saying on this album, like the artwork, if you look at the artwork, it's just loaded with them holding guns and you hear that little in the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so we're 2007,
1: we're going to embrace the gun thing and that becomes the album cover. We are in the uh, conservative right wing era of Today's the Day. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Sorrow presents the conservative <laughs> right wing era of Today
0: is the Day. I don't think that's... I'm not saying that is that what they were. I just got a vibe that they might have... Steve might have been, like, not a liberal. Let's See, just I'm looking way. at the track
1: but, listing for Access of Eden, and I am personally convinced that this is the Today's the Day version of a protest record.
0: Maybe. I think Kiss the Pig might have even been some of that, though. Kiss the Pig definitely Miracle. was, but... Uh... I don't know about that this. That might right have been there. what the title was for. If there was any meaning for Kiss to Pig, it might have been a political statement. <laughs> so, just guessing.
2: I mean, I definitely don't get a whole lot out of the lyrics as far as, like, again, and I'm not saying that Steve's lyrics don't mean anything. They definitely mean something to him. But it's not one of those strict, like, oh, this is what the song's about kind of thing. And that's one of the things I like about today's today is, the, day is the, the lyrical output is also artful especially later in their career more so than in the early stuff which makes sense i mean people get better at things and start trying to put a little bit more into what they're talking about without it having to have some like overt message
0: you know yeah i don't want to sound like i'm shitting on all of these albums because i'm trying not to um i have my problems with a few of them it really always just comes down to either the production or the drummers i mean a lot of the time um you know, and I might be somebody who's trying to pull him back in the past a little bit because like, you know, when you when you're spoiled with guys like Brad Elrod and Bran from from uh, from Macedon, it's it's hard to listen to this album and listen to uh, what's his name? Derek Roddy from from Nile or whoever. I think that's what Banny was in to hear him playing. I, I, I could be wrong. I, th- I think there might have been a schedule issue and they kind of got him last minute. And that might have been some of why. But it just to me, it sounds like he's watching Steve for the changes. If that makes sense. Interesting. Like He's just kind of like, he's kind of like bass, bass, drum, snare, hi-hat, very simply to, to like try and follow the weird, um, it just, it doesn't sound like he knows the song and that, and until they start blast beating and then of course he's amazing. He's it
1: absolutely sounds fantastic. like somebody is following somebody else. Whereas the previous records sound like a group that is in sync and is creating the sound together. Yeah. You can't follow when you're the drummer. It doesn't work. Yeah, I've been asked problem- to do it, and everybody said it sounded like <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the problem I'm having with this, I think, when, the more I'm thinking about it, is that there's either blast beats or no dynamic drum beats, and it's not. There's nothing like no good fills, no good vibrant drum work. It's just very wooden, or just completely batshit. Crazy fast. And it's a
2: it's a far cry from the art rock type of sound that they had before, where you're getting these drummers in that are just like, okay, so I'm in a heavy band. I heard the last record. Let's just blast.
1: Gravity blast. Yeah. Gravity blast. Right. Go because go go go.
2: That's what you know. Relapse record bands do. Yeah. And you know, and I think with a band like today's today, or today is the day, uh, you just don't really. That's not really necessary for what they're throwing down. It's great for the more extreme and intense parts. Obviously, you need a drummer that can keep up with that. But whenever you've got a guy that's used to just blasting, and it's like, well, that's all I got to do is just blast all these heavy parts. Everything else is just like I can kind of phone it in a little bit. Um, Yeah. And I think that that's the biggest issue that I really noticed with the drumming on some of the later stuff where they kept swapping drummers out was that you'd get some that were like get it, like understand the vision, and then there's other drummers that are like, Yeah, I'm just here to blast. I get paid eighteen cents every time I blast, you know?
0: This is the first record since relapse. This is now not on relapse anymore. This is uh independent. I think he he started Supernova Records and he's I think that's on this, if I'm not mistaken. But um the I think there was a falling out of some kind with relapse because um I think the song on here Broken Promises and Dead Dreams I think is the title. I think that song is referencing the relationship with Relapse, which is why I think he yells Relapse over and over again, but um, if I remember correctly they, I don't know the full story of this, but I think Relapse repackaged Sadness Will Prevail and they cut it up and they made it into like a one album deal
1: and they kind of butchered
0: it, which I totally disrespect because I think, I think regardless of what you think of that album it was how he wanted it to be and I would have been crazy pissed if that was me. So, um, yeah, this is, this is no longer relapse. This is independent. Today's a day. Um, I should also mention, he's been recording every single one of his albums up to this point and definitely improvement, you know, these last two from, from sadness, but I'm still feeling like I'm not getting that, like the sound that I want to hear, you know what I mean? And, and I, when I first heard this album, I, I really was let down with it big time, but, um, I kind of like didn't really revisit it much uh which is weird because i revisited it recently now to talk about it and i actually find myself liking it a lot more than i did and i think the reason for that is when you're coming from the the other side of it all the experimental stuff and all the mathy stuff and all that and you the the changes become not necessarily dynamic but but more whatever you we want to call these things um if, it's hard to understand. But then when you get to the the side, the other side, you know, where you look back at now, he's done so many different albums that never repeated each other. You can kind of go back a few albums and listen to it with new ears. And that's kind of what happened here with me. Um, I'm finding that there's actually quite a few songs on here that remind me of some of the other stuff. And the first song reminds me of something from like self title or something, you know, or, um, definitely closer to the temple era for me than 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 the other ones were but i have my problems with it <laughs> you know i do have problems with some of the songs like circus maximus i yeah, you know there's a couple songs in here i, I would not have done but well i
2: think whatever. that this is probably the most creative album that they've released since uh, sadness yeah in the sense it's that it's definitely more creative for yeah, sure and, and it's more in the spirit of a traditional today's the day And, you know, like, it has to be that. Like, you know, we're pissed at at, uh, relapse. So we're not going to put out something that's for those people. Like, you know, that
0: demographic. It's way more experimental than I realized. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad. And I kind of wish I had... (laughs) I don't know why. I just wish I could have noticed that more before. But I definitely want to continue to see if this grows on me more because I find... This is a a much fresher album for me than kiss the pig for sure
2: well yeah and it's really just that uh, you know we've done a lot of discographies obviously on this show and this is the kind of trend that i notice with a lot of bands that last this long you know get to like the 10 album mark or eight album mark is you, you know you have your landmark releases that's what makes you who you are that's where you get your identity from and that was pretty much them from supernova all the way to sadness yeah. And then you get into the Relapse Records era, where you know they're basically going on tour with these with these super brutal bands, and they're kind of writing music to accommodate that, you know, to accommodate those fans and all of that. And I'm not saying that those records are bad or that they're not creative. There's still a special quality to a today's the day release, but you know, yeah. once you get independent, you're doing you're calling your own shots. The only thing that you have left after all of that is that identity that you built on your own from day one. And so yeah. of course you're gonna see them trend back towards that. They're not repeating themselves. You know, I don't think I don't think Axis of Eden sounds like, you know, uh sadness will prevail or it doesn't it doesn't sound like supernova. But you can tell that the same creative mind is at work. That that same clock is yeah. kind of ticking behind it. But it's been a while since they've done something like that. So it's not gonna hit necessarily the same way because number one you've got different blood in the band and you know two you're just kind of getting back into that like well what can I do to make this more me and so yeah Yeah. I mean as a longtime fan you might be disappointed that it doesn't sound exactly like those old albums or and I don't mean that it has to sound like them but it doesn't have that it doesn't have the exact same creative flair but you can tell that they're
0: trending in that direction they're definitely doing something a little bit more experimental and i and yeah i can definitely appreciate that and i think that that's kind of man that's what makes this next record so frustrating to me because it's like it's like another like jolt in a different direction because now i'm like okay they're starting to get a little more experimental again sadly this is chris's last record on base too i should mention um i wish he was still playing with them but um great dude and uh this is this is the departure this is now officially like like steve is gonna have new people completely, and uh, yeah, not. I don't understand it. I don't understand why why the next record went in the direction it went compared to this. It's very confusing.
1: Hey Dan, does
0: this hurt? <laughs> what does what hurt? See,
1: he's not paying attention, or he or that would have went smoothly. Hey Dan, does this hurt? I'm sorry. Am I am I really not paying attention?
0: He's he's trying to make a pain as a warning joke.
1: I'm gonna try it a third <laughs> time, and I want to see what happens. Okay, you ready? <laughs> hey Dan, does this hurt? Uh, yes. You know, pain is a warning, right? Oh, okay. Warning. Oh God. 2011. Steven, I like this one. So I'm interested. Why do you not like
0: it? Because his expectations exceed reality. (laughs) Hey, uh, no, um, I'm not, I'm not saying I hate it or anything. I, I, um, you're the most qualified person in the room to dislike this. (laughs) I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So, they they recorded with with Kurt below from from Converge, who owns God City Studios. So now we Steve's like, hey, I'm taking off, I'm, I'm off the reins of this. I'm giving the reins to you. You do this album, and I love God City Studios. He does High on Fire, he does Torch, he does a lot of really beefy. I think he did a uh, Mutoid Man. Torch is so good. Yeah, man, totally. So, this was kind of like, okay, cool. I want to hear what today's day sounds like with the Kurt's treatment, which was that was awesome, and. There's some cool, some cool songs on it for sure, but um, it was. This is probably my least favorite because the the, the it's just the, the band the rhythm section. It's the rhythm section. I they I feel like this is where Steve's playing with like millennials or something. I don't I don't know. I could be wrong. They just seem like they're younger and they didn't come up with the same level of quality of music as Steve did and as, as we've done. And it just. I don't I don't know what the deal is but it, it it to me it just sounds like he wanted to do like a straight up rock and roll album which is a bizarre again I appreciate that he's honest I appreciate he's moving forward but this one does not resonate with me. So this
1: one sounds like a standard run of the mill hardcore record.
0: I don't think there's anything hardcore about it. I think it I like that song Wheelin', that's Motorhead. They're just they're just doing they're just rocking out. And I just wanted to try and simplify and just rock and not be anything but that. And just really, and it, again, stepping back, looking at the whole discography and going like, there's an album where they just wanted to rock. It kind of on paper sounds like a great idea. I don't know. I lose, I lose attention with this one. Um, and I think I would have loved it more if there goes my, the, the D word again, but if the dynamics were there and I just, I don't like the rhythm section on this album and I feel like it held it back which is a shame because the production's awesome i mean it sounds great
2: well as a millennial uh <laughs> i will say that i didn't realize you were sorry oh it's okay <laughs> i know i got a lot of gray hair but uh it's all just from stress i promise you're
1: right on the line of,
0: of
2: millennial yeah well <laughs> i was born in 86 so yeah i mean i, I still fit that literally fit that the mold.
1: definition of the line
2: yeah well <laughs> i i really liked this because i thought it did sound different than than what we'd heard you like comparing the discography because they don't repeat themselves at all ever so i didn't really expect this record to sound like any of their previous material and um you know i i disagree with you when you say there's nothing hardcore about it it's still pretty fucking hardcore this
0: the second track is awesome
2: yeah so i mean they they definitely go for the throat but i like it. it it Strangely enough, it does remind me of Converge a little bit, in places, and you know, in 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 my eyes, that's not a bad thing. Um, the the mixing, the production, it does sound very different uh, than what you're used to with this band. But I honestly, I thought that this was the breath of fresh air that they needed. Yeah, it's my two um, cents.
0: I think I think I, I get that, and you have to remember when I say I don't like an album, what I mean what I'm really saying is, even a record that would be quote unquote a bad today's the day record, which I'm amusing serious quotes with that. Um, it's still an interesting thing to listen to and it's because Steve is just one of those people who has just so, there's something unique about him about his style and his the way he plays and the, the the choices he does with the style of his vocals you know so there's it's like you know it's almost like to me it's like talking about the cure it's like the cure there's people who say there's some sh- really shitty cure albums but to me a shitty cure album is still like um, a great record to listen to. This one, I don't. I'm not as um, passionate about this one. This would, I, if I had to rank, if that's what the game we were playing here. I'd probably put this at, at close to the bottom because it's it's it to me. I I can appreciate the rock and roll side of it for sure, and I can definitely appreciate the vocal vocal work and the the uh, production. But I think I would have liked it a lot more if the drummer and bass player were a lot better. To be completely honest,
1: is this the least creative? today is the day record yeah, in your without eyes a doubt.
0: yeah and i think it was intentional to just not worry about that and just like i said just rock you know i think the motorhead tour must have really influenced some of that for sure you know and i can respect that for sure it's just you know well i mean this is some yeah. time after that but yeah i mean the cover art i don't understand the cover art and i'm kind of picky about cover arts too that's the other thing i like I'm always like wanting to see how albums are packaged. That's kind of part of the, the opinion that I I form on albums, and I don't quite understand what I'm looking at with that album cover. Um, I like the title of the album, and the reason I like the title of the album is because I know that Steve's son is who named the album, and I think that's really cool because he was I guess he was talking to his son or something, and he had he said that pain is a warning, like to try and relate that I understand that. I understand how that works and i and i think that was really cool of him to to take that and use that as the title if anyone didn't like the title of it or thought it was wasn't like some big epic thing like temple of the morning star it's it, i think it had a lot of meaning because of where it came from so that's another thing to really appreciate about the album
2: yeah i mean i thought the name was like really in line with kind of what they had done before to be honest like everything doesn't have to be axis of eden or you know or, or, or anything like that, you know? It's a lot better yeah. than A Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. Um <laughs> Stupid. But anyway, uh I think it's one of those titles that really encompasses what the band's about. I mean, they pretty much talk about pain exclusively, you know, throughout mm. their discography. And so yeah. in that sense, it, it's very thematic. It, it works. It fits.
1: It's kind of like if you didn't get the message up until now, we're going to just say it. Warning, danger, 2014, Animal Mother.
0: I like this one. Um, it's a step in the direction of uh, both better production and experimentation and an attempt to be somewhat dynamic. And um, yeah, uh, you know, again, there's things to, to say that, that I might not like. I think the bass player is kind of a stick in the mud on this one. Um, but I think the drummer is a bit of an improvement. Uh, I saw this tour live, so I could say too. Like to see it performed, I can say that the bass, the bassist, seemed like I couldn't even really hear him, and the drummer seemed much better live than even on this this album. I don't but. dislike this record,
1: but in the grand scheme of this band, this one sounds the most like I have a new band, and they're trying to tailor new music to what i've given in the past it sounds like the only person that knows what's supposed to be going on is the person doing the vocals but everybody else is just trying to keep up this record's kind of sad like and i don't mean sad because like
2: it's a today's the day record you know um it really was about you know kind of the death of steve's mother Yep. and that really that really shines through on this record not not in a good way you know it's it's I mean, I, I don't mean that, like, it's not in a good way in the sense of, like, it's not necessarily relatable hurt for me, but I, I definitely can get right down there with him,
0: you know, when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there with the sadness and and uh, that it it's it's um, a, a good theme for the album. It's, it's um, something that I respect, you know, and, you know, even... I don't know, I want to say enjoy it, but I, I I, like that he was able to take the pain from that and make music with it and share that kind of stuff from his own life on, on albums. That's not go- easy to do. For him, these songs are probably extremely personal. And um, yeah, it is a bummer. And it's kind of weird because it's like, you know, his dad was sort of a theme on the willpower era. So he, he kind of lost both parents and had a creative output with this band which is kind of an interesting thing as well but
2: well yeah, yeah. this is the most coherent lyrical output too mm-hmm. and it's hard <laughs> it's sure. hard because you know kind of w- what he's getting at and but at the same time he doesn't like drown it all out in like a bunch of metaphor like you pretty much know you know what he's talking about you know like he says that goddamn phone call do not try to bring her back her body and brain pain is increasing at a rapid rate like yeah. i mean it's it's right in there
0: it's it's heavy for sure there's a lot of substance on this one for sure and that's another reason why i like it because it's it's a uh, i don't know i don't want to say he doesn't his other ones weren't as thoughtful but th- this one's like very thoughtful and it has an intense um theme behind it and um and then you have the fact that it, it sounds good and the fact that it it's uh, more creative more dynamic there's that word again um there's some really weird <laughs> weird tracks on it um I'm trying to remember the name of it now uh masada is it because is i say that masada um i don't know masada sounds good to me yeah it's, it's 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 definitely a step where i was hoping they'd go with it and continue to go with it for sure um this album was the album where they had that horrible car accident um on tour Oh, tell me more about that because I I don't know about that. They got they were in a terrible accident. They should be dead, and they were uh, by the grace of God, their lives were spared. Um, but they were very badly uh, bruised up, and and uh, Steve had some health issues from that car accident, that van accident, I should say, and um, yeah, he had a lot of suffering because of that, but that was a very Difficult time for the band because of that, and and just the challenges that were they were facing because of all that. But I'm glad I got to see them live before that happened for sure. Um, and this is the first time I'd seen them live since probably like Sadness Era, so it was really cool to go out again and in small room, big amps, just like the past, and just enjoy hearing them again. I you know I haven't heard the new album yet, but uh, even further into the right direction I think. It just, it's just another sounding record for them that doesn't isn't isn't repeating. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean not much more for me to say about it. I love the artwork. I think it's really good looking. I love the uh, the packaging and um, yeah. I I I feel like you know everything's constantly different and there were there was a little bit of a, a weird dry spell for me and. This, these last two seem to be, or this last one rather, seems to be kind of like turning that that corner into some more creative stuff. So I'm all for that. That's that's my that's what I like most about Steve's work.
2: So needless to say, you're
0: pretty excited about the new album that's dropping this month. Then, well, I want to say as like I can't review it we can't review it it's not out yet it's probably going to be out in like 2 days but here we are recording After just this post just probably before. yeah <laughs> yeah um, but he you know Steve released three songs from it um there's another lineup on it uh I don't even know who they are there's some interesting dynamics on these songs too it, the, the production sounds really heavy it's they sound heavier than they have in a while um the tone they get they get on this record so far that I've heard um but the thing that i that i'm most excited about is steve recently did some interviews for this album and in this interview he talks about what i was just alluding to with the car accident um and how much health issues he had faced um he, he had just he's just gone public with this that he had gotten lyme disease and he was crippled majorly like couldn't he was he was he was unable to do anything To take care of his family. He was just like, he was just literally laying there in pain. He had, I think he had two hip replacements because of the accident. Um, there was just a lot of bad health stuff in a row that really knocked him down for a while there. He felt like how in the world am I going to ever do anything like I did before? Um, I being somebody who has now had two back surgeries in a month, you know, apart from each other. Um, and I'm in that exact spot right now where I feel like, um quote unquote no good to anyone like you know it's kind of what the point of the album is called uh just that resonates so much with me to see that he's on the other side of it now and he's he looks healthier than ever and he's just he's defeated that and he's gotten stronger and the fact that he was even willing to to connect with me and give me the advice to to get to focus on being stronger and to trust that things are better and to not be so laying around in constant panic and all that it was just like such a um personal thing for me to to uh have an album that's gonna resonate with my life from today's a day probably for the first time where I really am like connecting to to the the message in years from their work so I'm really excited about it because I I need this next record lyrically I think for me um just still not not being out of the woods yet with this this issue I'm having yeah I I I, I am really looking forward to it and I'm hoping that um, that it resonates more and more with me. And I, now that I understand what, why they called the album, you know, you can hear the title, no good to anyone, think it's, it could be just sounding like a depressing title, like you know. But now I know that's, that title means he literally felt like he was useless. He couldn't even take care of his family. So that is hitting me big time. And uh, I am really excited to hear it.
2: Yeah, I am too, especially after uh, after listening to all these records and getting kind of prepped. I'll feel way more qualified to talk about it than I would have if we hadn't done this episode. Final thoughts on Today's the Day. Dan. Oh, man. I mean, where to begin at the beginning of the episode? That's where you should begin. Rewind. Right. Uh, no, I think Today is the Day is one of the most unique bands in heavy music in the sense that they don't follow any trends at all. You can't pigeonhole them into any specific genre. They just go all over the place, and they're one of the most creative bands out there. And even even the albums that we nitpicked, you know, it's just nitpicks. Like, overall, you're going to have a pleasant experience, except maybe with Sadness Will Prevail. But again, that just, you know, maybe, again, maybe I'm not a cool kid and I just don't get it. If you get it, then great. But really, I mean, beyond that, I don't think that they've ever had any real missteps as a band, you know, as far as, like, what the fans want and delivering that, but also keeping the artistic integrity. So, I mean, if you haven't checked out Today is the Day, you've got plenty to go back and listen to, and I think you're going to find something to enjoy
1: in it, even if you don't enjoy all of it. Yeah, totally. Steven Sorrow, what the (laughs) actual fuck, and why did you make me listen to this band this week? Because I'm glad you did. I haven't listened to Today is the Day before. Every time I find a band that's kind of out there or kind of random or does things a little differently, usually I add them to the list of bands that no one else has heard and people aren't expecting. The list is short for me, but I have my favorites. I think Today is the Day fits the mold of the avant-garde rock band, but what you said in the beginning of the episode is definitely true. They don't repeat themselves. And they don't really deviate too much from their overall theme. Even though a solid straight rock record is not really their theme, they never went pop. They never added verses and choruses and bridges and guitar solos. They just kept the theme of this sound going forward. The sound is what the band delivers. And if you're into that, you are going to like today is the day. Most people are going to not like today is the day. Steven, my mom final thoughts.
0: Like my, my final thoughts is this, um, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of a today's a day for everybody, even your mom, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm partial to the first five albums and more specifically the first three albums. Um, and, there are there are lots of people more than than you would realize that would would say that about sadness will prevail, kiss the pig, all all the things that I may not have been as, as interested in. But at the center of all of it is a is a guy named Steve Austin who's constantly creating and pouring his heart out into music and creating these albums that are always interesting. Whether 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 they're right up my alley specifically or not, there's just always some reason to always buy the album put it on and listen to it and support him and um you know uh there's nothing else like that man, or nothing else like steve austin i should say and um just yeah he's just uh he's still going after a lot of of trial and error and uh and he's still making really interesting music and i think i think that's worth listening to no matter what part of the lineup you like or what part of the the timeline you like i think there's something there that you can enjoy and what's your album of the week oh man you know what totally hit me broadside on that one (laughs) how many times have you been on this show i constantly forget that you're gonna ask me that though oh my (laughs) gosh i've been converting a lot of demo tapes over lately and sort of not listening to music um you guys can go ahead
1: (laughs) sorry we'll come back to you steven damn what's your album of the week
2: well, my album of the week is actually The Search by NF, which is a band that, or a rapper that we're going to be talking about uh, soon. So uh, yeah, I'm, I've just been really into that. I don't listen to much hip hop and I don't even know if it's good hip hop or not, but uh, you'll just have to listen to the episode to find out. Steven, what
1: about you?
0: Well, I think the most recent thing I've been listening to is this band called White Lies. Um, I just recently discovered them. Um, this album called To Lose My Life. It's been pretty cool. I like that, uh, I've been listening to a lot of "Today's a Day." <laughs> Honestly, ditto. haven't we all? Um, ditto. <laughs> yeah, I've been enjoying uh, revisiting some of the ones I haven't really listened to more recently. So, I would say, um, yeah, lots of "Today's a Day."
1: My album of the week is "Unteachers," a human comedy. Not because Steven's here, but because I legitimately went back and listened to it after listening to all these albums because of the accusations made in the beginning of the show. And I was not disappointed by the atmosphere I was given. Awesome. Well, thank you. Everybody go awesome. buy a copy of
0: Unteachers. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, you just got them me. on CD, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, I made a human comedy available on CD. If anybody wants to go on the dot uh, bandcamp or no, I'm sorry, tourist Trap Media.bandcamp.com, um, you can get them there. Vinyl and, and CDs. Steven also has
2: a podcast called The Tourist Trap that you can check out. I think you've still got the episodes up on Patreon,
0: right? Yeah, I got three seasons of, on Patreon. I'm working on a fourth season, which I haven't done in, a, in quite some time. I just took a couple years off there. But um, I kind of got in the mood to do it again. So I'm working on some new episodes. If anybody knows the format of it, they'll know what, why I'm saying it like that. Like, It's not a week-to-week um, interview type thing. It's more of a music musical experience. So Absolutely. definitely check it out. Yeah, it's on Patreon for free and download them there and tell me what you think.
2: Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this podcast and you thought, man, they just spent an hour talking about a band that I have never heard of before. They should talk about this band that I have heard of and think that they need to give the treatment to. Well, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. Reach out to us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can send us an email at danandjoeshow at gmail.com. If you want to talk to us in real time, you can check out our Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes for this episode that will take you to the wonderful world of Discord and all the conversations therein. We also have a fillable form that's pinned at the top of our Facebook page. If you click on that, and there will probably be one in the show notes, there is a band suggestions
1: form that you can fill out and send those suggestions straight to us. And on that note, this has been episode 157 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at DiscussMetal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion, and please, send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Oh yeah, perks, perks, perks for money yeah I was saving the psychedelic lights for the end of the show Stephen just for you that's awesome (laughs) yeah it looks great